So um, Jesus actually um, started talking about, oh, you think I need a cup of water this morning, not a glass of water. Thank you so much. So Jesus uh, started quoting Daniel in Matthew chapter 24. Today we're going to be talking about um, the Antichrist. And um, as we learned about last week, we don't necessarily know who that is, but there are some strong markings of the kind of person the Antichrist will be. Daniel chapter 8 speaks to it. And he's making some references actually to a historical figure that is takes place almost 350 years after Daniel has this vision. Um, but, the, but the reality is, is the, the Antichrist, um, Jesus talks about that, and he quotes actually Daniel Daniel in, in this. So in Matthew chapter 24, it says, it says this, uh, verse 15. So when you see the abomination of the desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel, isn't it interesting that Jesus is quoting Daniel? Standing in the holy place, so the abomination of desolation is really when they desecrate the temple, which in Daniel's vision uh, happens, and then it actually comes to fruition afterwards. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop um, not go down and take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for the women who are pregnant, for those who are journeying, uh, nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight might not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there, you'll, there will be great tribulation. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not as seen from the beginning of the world until now. Which I, I think is interesting because there was another big event that took place, the flood, right? How can it be worse than the flood? But Jesus' words. Um, and never uh, will be, uh, and will never be. And in those days... Uh, had they not been cut in short, no human being would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. For the sake of the elect, the elect is those who are following Jesus. Now, here Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about the, the setting up of the Antichrist to come in, which is to oppress and bring tribulation. Now, we do know that there's probably three thoughts on the tribulation. There's probably... You're going to be raptured pre-tribulation. Um, some would say it's mid-tribulation, three and a half years. We know the tribulation period is seven years or post-tribulation. I don't, I don't think, I'm not a pre-tribulation person. I think the way Jesus talks about is it's not cut short for the elect, right? If it's not cut short for the elect, which means there's believers there. So unless it's those people who came to know Christ in those first three and a half years, I probably fall in the line, I don't know, as God knows, I probably fall in the line of the mid-tribulation. Uh, there's evidence to say that we might get raptured after those three and a half years. But today the focus really is on, on the Antichrist. And, and I think the, why is it important? You always have to say, is this just information or how does this impact my life? How is this going to change me? How is this going to um, do something for me. I'm going to walk here, out of here differently. And by the way, those of you who are online, you're not going to be walking out of this room, but you're going to listen to this message and you're going to walk out of your living room or your bed, wherever you are, and say, I'm going to be different because of this. 
And the reality is that the difference is this. I, I want you to be aware. Remember, we say at Grace Capital Church, we're getting you ready to meet Jesus face to face. And whether that is when Jesus returns, we know there's a second coming of Jesus. It could happen in our lifetime. It might not. Um, if it is, great. We want to be ready to meet him face to face. But if we breathe our last breath on this earth, we also want to be ready to meet him face to face, right? But I feel like understanding who the Antichrist is, like some of his qualities, and the, the title of this message is Understanding the Antichrist. And I, I think then it gives us an awareness to say, uh, not fascinated by the Antichrist, because honestly, he should not get any attention. Only Jesus should be getting our attention. But I think it gives us an awareness to say, oh, okay, I should be looking for those things. It kind of helps us understand. And then there's a scripture that says, and we should be aware because even the elect may be deceived because he's a master deceiver, the Antichrist, because he's influenced by Satan, who is the greatest deceiver of all times. All right, Daniel chapter 8. We're going to go there uh, together. So if you get turn to your Bibles to Daniel chapter 8, Old Testament. There we go. So the first part, and again, remember that this is a, another vision that Daniel has. In um, It was in the reign of King Belshazzar. So this is still while Babylon is, is in power. Many of the, much of the vision is actually a duplicate of a previous um, vision that he had. It just has different imagery. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, speaking of those things that were kind of repeats from last week. But he does take it a step further to understand who this uh, Antichrist is. Now, there, there's some interesting things as we start to go in here. And I, I want to go into the interpretation of the vision um, instead of reading the first part of the vision. So we're going to pop in right here on Daniel chapter 15. If you don't have anything to follow along, I, a phone, get to the Bible app somewhere, follow along. You're going to be able to, to understand more if you're not just listening, but you're following along as well. So if you have your Bibles or the Bible app, pull open your phone, that'd be great. Then I, Daniel, this is um, verse 15, had a vision, I sought to understand it, and behold, there stood before me having the appearance of a man, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Uli, it's a river um, near Syria, and it called Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. Now, isn't this interesting? Daniel's having a vision. There's two men, probably angels, talking to each other. Daniel hears it, and, and somebody's telling uh, Gabriel, um, hey, Go tell Daniel what this vision means. And so, again, just fascinating that he's in a, this spiritual world, like he's understanding, he hears a voice. It says, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came uh, near where I stood, and he came. I was, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end. Now, the vision is for the time of the end, or the end times. It's so it's interesting that he, he talks about um, an historical figure, actually, um, in this. And, and it comes to pass. And so th there's some confusion, or I should say some, some understanding that what Daniel was saying was, 
was really about a historical event that would take place 350 years later and, and not realizing that it was actually um, an end time event as well. And so I think there's a combination uh, of both things. See, what we're going to find out here in a moment is, is the vision, the interpretation of the vision and the historical account takes place of this person called Antiochus. Antiochus. 350 years later, after this vision, Antiochus fits all of the criteria for the outcome of this vision. But yet, it's saying this is for the end times. So we'll have somebody like Martin Luther who says this chapter in Daniel refers to both Antiochus and the Antichrist. Martin Luther says that. But you'll have John Calvin, who... um, I I tend not to be the Calvinist, I'm more Armenian-leaning, but uh, says this, hence Luther, indulging his thoughts too freely, refers to this passage um, to the masks of the Antichrist. So here's some opposing thoughts, right? I truly believe that as Jesus is referring to Daniel and his vision as end-time scenarios, so I would be more leaning to the fact of what Martin Luther says of just saying that there's a connection here. There's a connection between uh, this person, Antiochus, who was really a reflectant of an antichrist. And the scripture tells us there are going to be many antichrists. I was confused by that when I was younger and I heard that. I was like, isn't there just an antichrist? Well, there's many antichrists, people who are anti-Jesus, are antichrists, right? They they are influenced by the Satan and, and carry out the very things. Now, there will be the Antichrist, which will be the master deceiver that will be this end-time event scenario. So we're drawing these connections. So many of what we're going to read is actually a historical account of what took place with Antiochus. And then we've realized that um, going along further on that, that this will also be the end times of the Antichrist. So here we're going to read, keep reading. And I'll give you some uh, clarity along the way. And when he had spoken to me, I fell deep asleep on my face to the ground, but he touched me and he made me stand up. He said, behold, I will make known to you what shall be the latter end of the indignation as for it refers to the appointed time of the end. So there's an appointed time to the end. Only God knows when that is though, by the way. As for the ram that you saw, so he saw a ram with two horns These are the kings of Media and Persia. So again, this is familiar from last week, right? Um, We have the two, so you have the the two rams. And the goat goat is um, the king of Greece. So there's a ram. uh, Daniel has a vision of this ram with these horns. And then there's a goat that comes and boots off um, the ram and goat, greatest of all time. We know goat for that, right? (laughs) But actually, it was, the goat is referring to Alexander the Great, which was not the greatest of all time, because Jesus Christ is the goat, the greatest of all time. Hello? <laughs> oh, man, got to get this right here. Interestingly enough, um, the Greeks were known um, as the goat. They had actually the goat on their flags. So this is why the, the interpretation has been revealed the way it is. Let me just say something interesting about the, the Greek. You know, when the Bible says that um, God works all things together for good. It is so true. The, the conquest, the Alexander the Great, of trying to make everybody 
fall into this Greek culture, Greek language, Jesus actually used it so beautifully because it was, what was the language that was written in the New Testament? The New Testament was actually written in Greek. And God used that, um, the, the writing of the New Testament, to go through all of the known world at the time that was Alexander the Great had, um, had his conquests with. And so you can see how God can take something that was so evil because how Alexander the Great took over lands and nations and wasn't good, but God used it to allow his word to go forward. Just a little side on that. Okay, and the goat is the great king of Greece, Alexander the Great, and the great horn between his eyes is the first king. As for the horns that was broken in the place for which four others arose, we talked about that last week, but that was the uh, that was a leopard in the four heads. Here they're talking about horns. Horns represent kings and kingdoms. Try not to get, bore you with these details. It'll get, be applicable here in a minute. Uh, for the horn was breaking, broken in that place, which are the four horns, horns arose. Four kingdoms shall rise from his nation, but not uh, with his power. And those are the four generals from Alexander the Great after he left. Those are the four generals that took place. So that's the history, right? That, that shows this prophecy came true. Okay, moving right along. Um, Verse 23. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king, a bold face, one who understands riddles shall arise. He's talking about the Antichrist now. For his power shall be great, but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in all that he does. And destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. So again, here we are talking about the saints. So the Antichrist is around during the time of the saints or the elect or Christians or followers of Jesus. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. For he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed. Oh, I already said that. Uh, And all he does... And destroy mighty men with all uh, the saints. Already said that. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. And in his own mind, he shall become great without warning. He shall destroy many. And he shall even arise up against the prince of peace. And he shall be broken. But by no human hand. He shall rise up on the prince. That's Jesus. But he shall be broken, not Humans aren't going to take him out. Jesus, our mighty warrior and savior, is going to slay the Antichrist and forever throw him in the pit of hell. Amen Amen on that one. The vision of the evenings and the mornings has been uh, told is true, but seal up the vision for it refers to many more days from now. Um, So he has, in this vision earlier on, you want to read that he has this... um, Numbers were given to him. In this vision, it was 2,300 days. 2,300. Now, 2,300 days is actually seven years. So this is where people can understand the tribulation for seven years. But later on, he says it is the morning and night. So some people would, would think that the 230 days is 230 mornings and nights sorry, 2,300 mornings and nights, which is only three and a half years. So you can see how you can kind of get some of those interpretations there. So what we do know 
is there's going to be an antichrist. We do know that he's going to rise. He's going to deceive many. He is, he is hell-bent to destroy anything that is good and, and representing of God. Let me just show how some of these Antiochus and then the Antichrist um, kind of function together, and one represents the other, and one's a foreshadow of another. So having fierce features, Antiochus Epiphanes was his name, the fourth actually, um, was known for his cruel brutality. Um, And this will also be true of the Antichrist. He will be cruel and brutal. This is why I'm telling, I'm telling Christians and myself, whether he's coming in our time or not, but I'm just saying it's a time to get gritty. When I say it's a time to get gritty, it's a time to get, when trials come, don't get too bound by those. It, let them build you and strengthen you because we are not, in, we are not facing the worst of times yet. <laughs> There's going to be a greater um, challenging time if we're going to be heading into a season of a tribulation. As I said, I don't know when, That is, I don't know if it's in my life, but if it is, we're going to have to get prepared to endure some hardship. Number two, Um, he under so the scripture says he understands sinister schemes through his cunning. So Antiochus was known for his flattery and smooth tongue, and the Antichrist, the coming Antichrist, will strike a covenant with Israel. Early in the vision, he was talking about uh, the holy place. And he was talking about the holy city and he's talking about Israel. Why it is that we as Christians need to be concerned about what's going on in Israel is because that is the center of a lot of all this activity. It was the center, Antiochus, who actually went into um, Jerusalem and he was the one that desecrated the temple. He was the one that basically said, there's not going to be any more worship in this temple. Um, he took pig's blood and sprinkled it in there, and you know, pigs were unclean for the Jewish people, right? So it's the most vile thing that he can do. And then he put up a temple or a statue of Zeus in the temple and said, we're going to worship Zeus. I mean, just awful. So the temple was actually desecrated and not used until it was restored um, years later. Anyways, Um, Number three, his power shall be mighty, but not from his own power. So Antiochus Epiphanes was empowered by Satan and are so all the Antichrists, the small Antichrists. Like um, they're empowered by Satan, but they're allowed by God. So this is interesting because you have to say sometimes like, God, how can you allow? I don't always understand God, right? Does anybody completely understand God? Raise your hand if you do. God's Bible says that God's ways are greater than our ways. One thing I have to always keep coming back to is God is love. He's fair. He's just. He's kind. And and he looks after us. He strengthens us even in the midst of difficulties. Okay, here's the other part. So he's empowered by Satan. The interesting thing, though, have you ever said, like, how could these evil people, if, if you know them, how could these people who do wrong, who are, like, deceitful and evil, seem to prosper? Have you ever asked that question? You, you look upon somebody's like, man, they look like they've got it all together, right? They got the money, they got the status, the wealth, all the things of the world, by the way. And yet, you're seeing that they're prospering in, in the midst of their evil doings. 
and so will be the Antichrist. It says, the scripture says he shall prosper and thrive. Antiochus Epiphanes looked like a total success, and the coming Antichrist will look like a complete winner until God topples his reign. See, I think this is why the deception is so real, the Antichrist. It's going to look like he prospers. He's actually going to have supernatural abilities that make you think like, is he, what's he tapping into here? And, and the Bible says that, that he, they fear that even the elect will be deceived. And that always like was, was questioning to me. How is it that the elect, the Christians, could be deceived? What is it about the Antichrist that, that could deceive people? Another part of here, he shall destroy the mighty and also holy people. Antiochus Epiphanes not only destroyed his enemies, but he also harshly persecuted the people of God. The coming Antichrist will also be a harsh persecutor of the people of God. And then he shall, uh, lastly, and he shall cause deceit to prosper both the rule of Antiochus Epiphanes in the past, and the Antichrist in the future are marked by deceit. I just want to read a scripture here in Thessalonians. 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 Actually, I have two in Thessalonians I want to talk about. Thessalonians 5 would be the first one. If you have your Bibles, Thessalonians is in the New Testament. And this one says, The day of the Lord meaning the day that Jesus returns. This is the Apostle Paul wrote, writing to the church in Thessalonica and says this, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware of the day of the Lord. Will be like, he will come like a thief in the night. You won't know when he comes. While people are saying, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. Anybody been pregnant here? Woman, women, women, pregnant. Have you been? Raise your hand. Men, don't raise your hand. It's not you. I'm not talking to you right now. I did have pains, though. I had sympathy pains when Audra was pregnant. I had leg cramps. I don't know why. In bed. It's, it's a true thing. Anyways... You know those labor pains, I don't know them, but women, you know those labor pains, they come on you so suddenly, right? Where'd it come from? And that's what he's, he's saying. It's like labor pains. He says this, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for, the, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness, so uh, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of hope and salvation. Sounds like in Ephesians, right? For God has not destined us for wrath, but to attain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so get that, right? You might feel like, God, why is all this bad stuff happening to us? He says, no, 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 you're not destined to wrath. You're not experiencing God's wrath right now. You're experiencing uh, the Antichrist and his schemes to hurt, harm a lot of people. But he's saying, don't worry, because your destination or your destiny is in through Christ Jesus, salvation through Jesus Christ. 
He says, who died for us so that whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, you, you shouldn't be so concerned about your death. You shouldn't be so concerned about your comfort in this world because we know the end of the game, right? Whether he comes back in this life or we die and, and we're resurrected to meet him, we don't have to be a word, uh, worried because we are with Christ Jesus. Okay, and then, and then here, 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 2. Now he's talking about the man of lawlessness. This is the Antichrist, and we're going to finish quickly with this thought here. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, neither by a spirit or by a spoken word or a letter scheming to be formed to be from us, to the elect of the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. Okay, so here he's saying, we know that the Antichrist is there to deceive and wants to deceive many, even possibly Christians, the elect. But he's now saying, don't let him be, be deceiving uh, or don't be deceived. For the day will come, will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the Antichrist, the son of destruction is what he's been called, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. So very boastful, very prideful, very self-centered. So he takes the seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do not... Um, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know that uh, what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in the time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So in other words, Satan's already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. So in other words, there's a season of time and God's still in control. The enemy does not, he, is, he will be given permission. God has the ultimate say in all of this. Satan only can do what God allows him to do. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. Remember, he's, he's empowered by Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. So he's going to do miracles. I think that's why he's going to deceive many. He's, he's going to do the miraculous things like, oh, my word. I think sometimes we think of the Antichrist as some light and Satan of like cloaked in dark and, and fangs and blood dripping from his mouth. Or I don't know, something like creepy. I don't. But, but the reality is, is, is he's going to deceive you by, because he's going to mask himself as a person of light. He's not going to be the creepy, demonic thing that you think of horror movies. He's going to be doing signs and wonders and, and pretending that he's somehow representing God. And with all wickedness, deception for those uh, who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so to be saved. Uh, so let me go back up to verse 9. The coming of lawlessness will be uh, by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wickedness deception for those who are perishing because they refused to love the truth and, and so be saved. So who is refusing to love the truth? 
Well, Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life, right? The Bible says nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Right? There would be many who say they have a form of godliness but deny his power. There will be people who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name, these healings and so on and so forth? And, and, and Jesus could say, depart from me. I never knew you. So the point of this is really saying, how do we not become deceived? So here's the big takeaway. All this to give your takeaway for this. This is how you're going to leave different from your bedroom, sanctuary, living room, wherever you're watching this from. How you're going to leave different is you're going to say, how am I not going to be deceived? And you're not going to be deceived because you know Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with him. And how do you have a relationship with him? It's like you have a relationship with anybody, right? You spend time with them. You're going to hear the, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to recognize that voice. When the one who comes to deceive you, you're going to be like, wait a second, something smells a little fishy about this one. And you have the spirit of discernment, which, by the way, that's one of the spiritual gifts, the gift of discernment. You're going to be able to discern what the Holy Spirit is showing you and, and what the enemy is doing. You're not going to be duped. So I want to encourage you. The time is now for you to get tight with Jesus. How do you do that? You've got you to be in his word. I, I, I guarantee you, church, you need to find, and I'm going to even say a physical Bible. Like, that's old school. I'll tell you what. What happens if the internet goes down? I'll tell you, there's something about a physical book that has pages that you can read and underline and you can keep with you. Get a Bible. Start reading the Bible, not for knowledge, but to say, Jesus, show yourself to me in your word. Next, I really encourage you, you need to be a part of a small group. Our small groups will be kicking off again in January. Uh, there's something about community, something about doing life together that keeps us from being deceived. And then lastly, I would just say, really develop your prayer life. Spend time, uh, you know, physically on your knees, but if you want to, on your knees, connecting with God through Jesus Christ. And then you won't be I don't believe you won't be deceived. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device, we want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.